Nick Ercolano and Jack Settleman are the guests today. They are two content creators who started in sports and have built very successful businesses for themselves. And they now created this podcast called Big Content, which I really love, that talks about how they've used content to build their businesses and create lives that they're really excited by. And in this conversation, we spoke about some of their favorite creators. We spoke about how they now have studio space and how they view the future of creating. This podcast is brought to you by My First Million. My First Million is one of my favorite podcasts and you should check it out because you'll learn about technology, the future, where the world is going from two people who have sold businesses and it's one of my favorites. I recommend it to friends all the time and I think you'll enjoy it too. Search My First Million wherever you listen on YouTube, Spotify and enjoy that podcast. Nick, Jack, thank you guys so much for coming on. Introduce yourselves a little just so people know who are listening. Nick and Jack. Yeah, uh, my name's Nick. Should I look at that camera? You can nah. look wherever you want, baby. Right, I'm going to look at Jack. <laughs> uh, my name is Nick Ercolano. Uh, I run a sports media brand called BDGE. Stands for Big Dogs Gotta Eat. I think Danny was probably interested in bringing us on today because me and uh, my friend Jack over here started uh, a new podcast called Big Content which is um, something that we're very passionate about. We're, we're passionate about the come up of creators and kind of learning the way from start to hopefully full-time monetizing, working with brands, working like, you know, working in the creator economy realistically. And we'd like to uh, put some, some realness behind what it takes to get there and different like things that you'll find along the way that we can uh, expose, you know? Jack Settleman. I feel like this is the first day of school. Yeah. Jack Settleman, Snapback Sports. <laughs> YouTube <sport>. University. <laughs> YouTube, Snapchat University. Yeah, uh, Snapback Sports, similar to BDG uh, in a lot of ways, different in a couple ways. Nick's a little cooler than me, but we do the podcast together as a joint venture, uh, but big fans of yours. That's why I'm excited to be here. He name dropped you on the first episode of Big Content. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. I have not yes. seen that. He was ready to invest money. He was like, if we can invest in Dan our friend Danny Miranda, like we would from from the rip. That was sad. I, I was appreciate like, nah, that. I'd go short, I'd short him. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much. And it's crazy because um, I've listened to three or four episodes and I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing because there's such a... Um, you, you guys have built the businesses and now you're showing the behind the scenes of what it's like. And so take me through the idea, big content. How did it start? What was the initial text or the initial idea for the origin? Um, I definitely texted you yeah. and I was probably just like, we should do a podcast about mm -hmm. content creation. Cause he had been, we got the office space earlier this year. He had been in it a couple times for random things or whatever. And I was like, we got a space similar, but way shittier than what we have going on <laughs> in here. Um, where it's like, you know, we have all this space and we have this time. Let's rip as much content as we can. And me and him, most of the stuff that I do in the office is sports related, football related. This is stuff that I'm really, really passionate about. I know Jack is as well. And we're in super similar situations. And, you know, you're bouncing out to, to Austin. Being in New York, you don't meet a ton of people here that are in the similar situation that are really passionate about building brands through media, um, which is why like I resonated towards Jack really early on when we started working together in the same like companies and stuff. And I was like, we got to link up because you you know, you, you come up and you have your friends from like high school or college or whatever. You love them because of what you guys have been through up to that point. But a lot of the times you find when I'm where I'm at, I don't relate to a lot of people from my past life. So when I find new people that I do relate to, like Jack, I'm like, let's, you know, let's make things together. Let's create, let's like make the future for ourselves. Yeah. 
And for you, what was, you were like, all right, I'm down right away. He had all the equipment. He's got the editor. Uh, yeah, I, we like to say that it, I feel like we're like a married couple now, uh, especially on this. But, but we like to say that even if no one were to listen, we're like fine tuning. We're sharp, you know, sharpening swords and just bouncing ideas. It's funny. I was on the phone with NBC earlier today and they made a comment about how like we're competitors. Mm. Not for one second have I ever thought of BDGE being a competitor. And Wait, NBC said that about us? About Snapback. But, but Snapback. No, I'm saying Snapback with NBC. Yes. Oh, That's pretty, pretty it, crazy. Not at the scale of their... To, for them to think that they're on snapback levels. <laughs> exactly. What, that was, I mean, a little egotistical of them. But, uh, but not for a second, like, do I think about... And we're doing stuff way more similar. Like, we don't have linear like NBC does. We don't have a lot of things, all that stuff. Um, because I think you see in the creator world, everyone collaborates. Mm. And that's how you win. And so... People, there's enough time for people to watch two things, right? So they can watch them and us. And not a lot of the traditional media thinks that way. So big content creators, like there's just so much opportunity and we're, we're having fun talking about it. It's cool to watch a, the rise of it. And it's like when you, when you think about, what I find interesting is the rise of dual uh, podcast co-hosts. You see it with my first million, Sam and Sean. You see it, um, there's a, a personal training podcast that I like just because I like the two guys who are personal trainers. I'm not, I don't want to be a personal trainer in this moment, but I just relate to them. Yeah. And I love the chemistry that they have with each other. And similar to you, it's like almost like you become friends with the the two co-hosts. And I think it's like a really magical thing you guys have seen. Was that intentional to like have two co-hosts? And did, is that a trend you noticed as well? Because something I can't stop seeing now. Um, no, it, it was... It was kind of for me, we had met probably like two years ago, I want to say. We had both started working with a company called Underdog Fantasy. We're so similar in the fact that like we work with the same companies, like yeah. we're on the same calls sometimes, but we're doing completely different things. We're mm. just in the same industry and we're kind of coming up at the same time. And when I knew that we were both working in a really large capacity with this company, I was like, yeah, you know, he's in New York City. This is cool. I don't meet a lot of people in New York, like I said before. Um, so I was like, let's, you know, let's grab drinks. I remember it was on McDougal at some, the Grizzly Pear, some shitty bar <laughs> over there. Um, Margaritas, that's his thing. Yeah, like 4.6, I think the rating was. <laughs> and we sat down and I was like, yeah, we, you know, we get along well. I feel like we're, you know, we, we became friends quickly because we're, our personalities are similar. So we're passionate about the same things. We have similar personalities. It was a no brainer to just like, I wouldn't have forced another person into it. And I kind of, try to make sure that we do that with all of our content internally is like, I don't want to force content upon people. We get a lot of questions. Like you're going to get more into the gambling space or the other fantasy sports like basketball, baseball. And I'm like, I'm not really passionate about that stuff. So I don't want to force that type of content into it. And like for you, you love doing this type of content. You're not going to start doing fitness content just because X, Y, Z. Um, so it was, it was a natural crossover. I thought between us already being friends and being like, we're passionate about this thing already. Let's just like dive in. Yeah. The authenticity comes through with everything both of you guys do, which is really cool. One thing that's really popped off since the last time we spoke was Ike's Lunch. Incredible series, <laughs> incredible growth. And that's a, a great example of something being so authentic and so real and people gravitating towards that. So explain what Ike's Lunch is for those who are unfamiliar. Sure. So um, Ike's Lunch has somehow like taken over what our brand is at this point. It's We got this office space on, I think, March 1st. And by like the third or fourth day, 
two of the guys in the office, well, we all went to high school together, me and those two guys, they were two years above me. So them two were much friendlier um, with each other. Like they knew each other and grew up together. And one of the kids, Max, Animal, we call him, knew that this other kid, Ike, was going to get lunch every single day. He was going to order lunch every day to the office. So he's like, yeah, we should like fuck around and just like guess what his lunch is. It'd be a fun game to, to play internally. So we started doing it and we had the other kid, Tony, started kind of videotaping the guesses just to like document it and have fun with it. And we throw it up on TikTok of like really, really shitty production. And then uh, 20, 25 days went by, really had like no traction. And then we changed the format almost accidentally. It just like happened to be, we were in the middle of... Um, of a live stream and we're like, let's just do it from the couch. And it turned into a little bit of like a podcast segment like this. We ripped that. And that was the first time it went over like, I think a hundred thousand views. And we're like, oh, there's something here to this. Let's keep running it through here. So the basic premise of it, long story longer, is that we just guess our editor's lunch, what he orders to the office every day. And it's become episodical. And we have like this cult following, cult. which is- It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's really, really big at this point that guesses with us. And I, I worked with a developer to create um, like a, an app on a website that people can submit guesses for, which helped us build an email list of like 80,000 people over oh the last couple of months. God. Yeah, we've turned like Wait, that. that's genius. Yeah, I, that's so I, smart. It was, it, was, it was not that smart, it was low hanging fruit, honestly. It <laughs> no, was, but, but that is what people don't understand is that's the new method is gain audience and then filter it into something meaningful, mm. which was like, that was always the question for me because it's outside of their traditional business. So their fantasy companies don't really want to advertise on there. Mm -hmm. So how could you make money? You did merch, but really you've got emails now, which can be used in a variety of ways. 80,000 emails is crazy. Yeah. Insane. We got like 50,000 on the first day. We oh released the app. <laughs> it was, during the peak of this series, the views were, it was like a million views every single day, bottom layer. Were you freaking out? Like, cause you had, you had done incredible content for I what, was freaking se out. seven years, right? And you, your whole thing wasn't about going viral. It was like providing useful content. I was to so anti-viral. Like <laughs> I was so like, you should never work towards trying to become viral because it's not a relatable, predictable, mm -hmm. like projectable path for a content right. creator. You should slowly build exactly how you're doing it. And then hopefully a few things you do, do go viral, but never plan on that stuff. So when this happened, yeah, I mean, the energy in the office was crazy. We're like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> but it became like such a fun thing internally for us. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a wild ride and we're still trying to like kind of tame it right now. You know, we're still trying to figure out what we do with it. How do we capitalize on the audience that we have from that? Cause that built our entire TikTok following up. We have some people move over to what we're doing sports wise and fantasy wise. But now we have this whole new section of an audience that we're like, how do we provide value outside of this one piece of daily episodical content that will eventually run its course, you know? So we're, we're still trying to figure things out internally for sure. Yeah. And Jack, you've done what a hundred million views on YouTube shorts in the yeah. past month. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. We did a hundred million views, 66,000 subscribers. Jeez. Uh, not a ton of it is original content. So the origin of Snapback is a lot of like aggregation. And so what we do is we provide value in just like packaging highlights or memes or keeping you up to date in sports. And so it's funny, I was talking with the creator the other day, they were like, okay, you're growing fast on YouTube, but when you start to try and monetize and place your own content. So we've started to, uh, you know, push some things. And because of that higher floor, 
we're getting results. Like if we started from scratch, some of those things would get 40 views. Now they're getting 20,000 views. And it's not successful compared to the other content, but that's kind of been our strategy there. So we've made, you know, the pretty numbers are 66,000 subscribers, 100 million views, zero dollars, you know, made <laughs> so far. But, but like Nick said, you're figuring it out on a rolling basis and you don't want to cut that off. Like you're not going to benefit from being like, all right, you know what, this is stupid. Like, let's move on to something else. That's the thing is like a modern day content creator, there's the money will come once you have the audience. Exactly. So it's like if rather than spend money while you're building up this audience, grab as much audience as you can and like figure it out later because yep. you have the numbers there. And I think like you guys will figure out eventually what to do with that. Yep. For the Ice Lunch, you know, audience, we're experimenting with different things over the next like couple of weeks. We were able to take a trip for um, to Penn State this weekend as like a group. And we had a huge tailgate where we had a couple hundred people come through because they knew what we were doing on TikTok. So wow. it's like we're able to do all these things because of the numbers and monetization is easy when you have numbers. I mean, it's not easy, but it's it's simple. There have been plans, there have been routes that people have taken that you could listen to any number of like successful creators and be like, oh, I can experiment with that and five other things. One of them will probably hit if you have the numbers already. That's the hardest part about being a creator is mm -hmm. building up that like stack of audience first. Mm. So break me, break down the thing you think someone wants to build an audience in the future and they're, let's say a sports creator, since you guys are both mm -hmm. familiar with that avenue, what should be the first play at this point in their, they're just starting. They, let's say they graduate college, they have a job, they don't have a job, what should mm -hmm. they be doing? Well, let's just get this on the record. Nick's a sports creator who hates sports, despises fantasy football, uh, which is cool because Ike's Lunch is going to help him go in that world. Like, it's not completely true. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives the me more anxiety than it does happiness in my life at this point, I think. I love sports. Like, I live and die sports. So I think having self-awareness of what you want to do is is meaningful. There's the balance of, you know, what you could add value to and also what you want to be working on. But biggest advice would be short-form vertical video content and just TikTok and YouTube shorts. Like, just fire away. Like I had someone reply to the tweet about, uh, you know, our YouTube viewership and they're like, my videos aren't popping off yet and put the link. So I went and looked, they posted eight times in a month. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, shoot, like shoot more shots. That's the only way you're going to get there. Yeah. I mean, we are like the living, breathing example of starting off. Our TikTok went from borderline zero to 600,000 in six months. His YouTube just went from 30 to 200 that because of YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. So it's, for me, it's more understanding the platform that you're going to be posting on rather than trying to force content onto already popular platforms. You've got to like ride the wave of what's popular right now. So if I was starting today, I wouldn't waste a second trying to like trying to break into sports is a near impossible task right now if you're trying to do something that worked five years ago. Hmm. So if you're trying to get into sports, I would strictly look at YouTube shorts. I would look at TikTok, uh, IG reels. Sure, that would be like repurposed content for the most part, I think just because I haven't personally had as much success that way. But YouTube Shorts, like this was a feature that we had talked about a couple of days ago. Like they're expanding what they're doing right now. The same way that you could reply on TikTok to people's comments and that becomes like a new piece of content for you. You know how you can like repurpose it? You could do that on YouTube Shorts now. Wow. To your normal YouTube videos, if you go to a comment, you can repurpose it, that becomes a short. And I'm like, that's in, such an easy way to start making content. And like the the chances of you hitting big numbers and, and building an audience through those platforms are just a thousand times easier than the regular YouTubes, the regular Instagram, like Twitter, things like that. So for me, it's like platform first, you're a, you're a marketer first, then you're whatever you're building your shit around second. Now, Jack just said that you despise fantasy sports. <laughs> and so 
How much of... This is his fantasy football company, by the way. <laughs> of course, it's fantasy football company. Would <laughs> No, but like, would is there any bit of regret or any... I don't know if that's 100% true, but like now looking back, you've evolved as a person and you've changed. And so how does that play into like the thing that you create in the beginning? Yeah, uh, zero regret, zero, zero, zero regret. Um, what it's done is made me conscious of how I move forward in the future. And it makes me like, it's the reason we named our company BDG, Big Dogs Gotta Eat, and didn't like encapsulate it into sports, didn't put football or fantasy football, because I always knew I wanted the brand to be about making content and creating around whatever you're passionate about. Mm. So for me, it doesn't like, maybe some people are putting our name synonymous with sports. So it take, makes it a little tough for some of the audience members. But the way I look at it is like, as long as I'm an individual creator, I'll make whatever I want. Like if you go on my personal TikTok, I've probably made 200 to 300 videos over the last like month. I don't know if a single one of them covers football or fantasy football. Wow. And I'm starting to integrate more content like this, the business marketing branding stuff, because that's what I'm passionate about now. The fantasy stuff, the sports stuff is what enables me to have freedom now. And I loved it when I started. Don't get me wrong. When I was like 17, 18, I was all about it. It's the reason mm -hmm. I got to where I was was because I had like a work ethic about it that was um, really, really strong. And now there's a bit of it that's like, okay, I have to do this in order to do the other things that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I, I still like fantasy football, but it's... It's, it, it can be draining sometimes when you're doing it, you know, nine to six, nine to seven, every single day. The, uh, the in-season stuff is for sure mm -hmm. a grind when you're yeah. covering it daily, it's cyclical. You do the same content kind of week in and week out. It's a little bit tough to be creative, which is what kind of zaps me a little bit. Yeah. I was talking, I was listening to you guys and almost felt like I was talking to you, but <laughs> I was listening to you guys and, and you were talking about the mid-season grind of social media and football in particular of like you were looking forward to something in the mm -hmm. beginning of the season yeah. at the end of the season you could see the playoffs and it's exciting but in the middle is really kind of where it's difficult i never really thought about that as a sports creator yeah you would think that the season would be the fun part <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but a lot of the time it's not but you are going to monday night football <laughs> you're going to every yeah. event like, i love it like that and that is why i think you know, I joke with Nick that he, but that's why they don't do that type of content. Yeah. Because if he had to travel for a game he didn't really care about, he probably wouldn't be excited and his content would probably lack. I love getting in the stands. I think that's the best environment of sports. And so that's what we do. We create content from that point of view. We meet up with fans in different markets, which is awesome too. Like I, I just love travel and all that goes with it so that's why we did snapback mondays and we're at every monday at football game and like i'm going to mexico city on sunday like you know things could be worse you were in germany <laughs> yeah, yeah insanity right well, <laughs> what do you get burnt out from you ever get burnt out so i i genuinely for the first time maybe ever was i i had reached maybe a point of exhaustion uh when i got back from philly so this mm. one got a little out of control we weren't we were doing every Monday night football game, but then underdog had us go to Germany for the first Munich game, which was amazing. But we flew Friday night, red eye, land Saturday, 48 hours there. We flew 3 a.m. Germany time back to New York, took a train to Philly for Monday night football. Tuesday, Wednesday was the first time in my life where I was like, I gotta like relax. Like I was gonna try to go to the gym and I was just like, if I push it, like something might happen. Now I got two nights of sleep and I'll, I'm all good. Uh, but burnout, I just, I like sports. So I'm constantly <laughs> engaging them. And I always thought like, what would I do if I wasn't doing this? I would just be scrolling Twitter and Instagram and like engaging in sports talk anyways, might as well do it for, for fun. 
Yeah. What about you? When was the last time you felt burnt out as a creator? Right now. <laughs> no, um, really burnt out. I think since we've gotten the office, I've been able to outsource a lot of the stuff that we do. Uh, and I was good with that last year as well. I think probably like two years ago was the last time I was truly burnt out. And I was like, damn, I got to make a change here. And a lot of it goes back to me stepping back and being like, this was, this is the type of content that I don't actually enjoy making. It's, there's two types of content I feel like I make, and it's just content that I purely enjoy. And there's content that I do because I feel like I'm supposed to, because mm -hmm. I feel like the audience wants me to, and it's kind of a fine line between it. But anytime I feel burnt out, I know that it's coming from a pull over here. Mm -hmm. I know it's coming from, I'm doing stuff that I don't want to be doing. And I need to either cut it out. I need to outsource it, or I need to lower the volume of that type of content. So it was, yeah, probably like two years ago that I'm fully burnt out, but in the season for me, it's, it's a very, it's a very daily grind for me, but I know that this is, this is what happens to me during the season. So I'm like, it's fine. Like I'll tough it out for like six or seven weeks. I'll relax a little bit. I'll vacation for like a month or whatever. Then we're back on the we'll grind for another 11. Vacations? No I, shot. Well, not vacations, <laughs> but like I'll travel. Like last year when we were in the Super Bowl weekend, right, right. Uh, Vegas, whatever, like yeah, those kind of like we three week trips. a little bit. Yeah, San Diego well, for like how a do you How do you do it? Because I've, you work harder than anyone I've ever seen. So how do you keep up with it? Uh, it's just about, for me, like giving myself breaks when I, I really need it and yeah. feel it. Like July posted two episodes. Okay. And, and January, December 15th to January 15th, zero episodes this wow. year. But when I go, I go really hard. And so people notice that. And also like the understanding that the thing that you want to get back to is actually the thing that you're supposed to do. Right. Like I'm, when I don't do this podcast, it, <laughs> it hurts my soul in some well, way. I was going to ask, what about the pressure? Because that is probably one of the most unspoken things about content creation. The nervousness that if I'm a TikToker and mm. I take a week off, What's the algorithm going to do to me when I get back, right? Podcasting may be a little safer because, but stuff changes all the time. Do you feel that pressure? No, because I've heard Christian Guzman. You guys familiar with Christian Guzman? He's like you, got me into YouTube. Yeah, for yeah sure. YouTube like creator. Okay. Um, fitness and a beast. He, he said something one time that really stuck with me, which is like, you want people to forget about you for a second so that when you come back, they'll appreciate you. Interesting. And I was like, that almost feels like what's currently going on with Twitter, which is like, everyone's like, I'm not paying eight bucks a month. And then Twitter's about to fall apart. And everyone's like, I'll give my left lung to like, keep this app going, you know, same thing. Yeah. Give me your perspective on, on Twitter. This will come out on next Friday. So okay. a week from now, <laughs> so will it even exist? <laughs> It'd be right, in a completely like, different place, but we're, we're sitting here on November 18th. Give us your perspective on Twitter. I can't believe like, I, I think people are this is going to be freezing cold take tagged all over Twitter. Oh, actually, it won't be because if, it, if I'm wrong, it won't exist. I think people are morons that think Twitter is not going to exist in a week. Mm. Elon got in there. It was a mess. And he was like, I want to change things drastically. You can't do that overnight. So he's like, I'm going to put the red light on right now. Fix what's under the hood. Get rid of people that we don't need anymore. Regroup the right way and then relaunch. Like, I can't believe people think that unless I miss six, something. They lost 6,000 employees. They've got people leaking stuff. They've got people quitting. I... I hear you. He'll be fine. I they probably get rid of six thousand employees and then Last hire a thousand good ones for that, yeah. that six Last times the price. Was hilarious. Everyone like saying their goodbyes and their swan songs. I had to get off Twitter because I was like, this shit is embarrassing. <laughs> Everyone follow me on Instagram, follow me on TikTok. It was actually a good example of people don't wait until the last moment to cross promote your stuff. Mm. Like that that was really the takeaway. Um I talked to Dan Rovell, who I think has built a large portion of his second half of his career on Twitter. He's at a spot where he's not nervous because he's built up a nice network and, you know, he'll be fine in that world. 
But I'm nervous because, look, if Snapchat went through the same thing right now, uncertainty or ended up folding, we would we would exist, but at a much smaller capacity. If podcasts, you know, somehow disappeared, you would exist. TikTok video, you could still take this content and splice it up for YouTube and all that, but it would hurt your business, right? YouTube for you. Mm -hmm. So it is a good example of diversifying content, why email lists are so important because the platforms can go away, email going away, right? That That's coming later probably. Um, Twitter, will it be okay? I don't know. I, I really think this is a real moment. But it's like this guy bought something for $44 billion. Imagine you buy <laughs> no, something. he's not going to try and let it fail. It's There's, not, not going to fail. This dude <laughs> runs SpaceX and Tesla. See, and that's the thing, though. That is what people say all the time is he's a billionaire. He's done this before. This is different, though. He's great at building cards and, and, and rockets, but social media platforms. He's not, he's not physically building the product. He knows how to scale a business. He does. He'll hire the right people that know what he to knows do. How to hire, he knows how to scale those businesses. And he may know how to uh, scale 48 different types of businesses. But it doesn't necessarily guarantee. Like, look at what happened with FTX. Do you know how many smart people were involved in FTX? That how shit was just illegal, though. What, what Elon's doing is not illegal. He's just everything. He, he's he just does. going Who through knows? a speed bump right now. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I'll just put on. I would be shocked if if this, we look back in a month and this wasn't just a stupid ass road bump in Twitter's okay. lifeline. I will be on the same page. Yeah. I think by in my bold take is three years from now, Twitter will be the most. Subscribe to social media platform with the, most, crush it. with the most daily active users. That's my current prediction. We were talking about, well, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast mm -hmm. and they were talking on the future of tech, which is also coming from your side of like, this guy was a basketball guy and now he's talking about tech and politics and whatever he wants. Uh, but they were talking about like uh, metered usage. So, like, if you're on Twitter for 10 minutes a day, it's free for an hour, it's Ooh. a dollar, whatever. And they wanted it to be like, for they were talking about Snapchat specifically, but 75 minutes a week, then you start paying three bucks a month and, and so on. Hmm. I actually think with Elon, and I don't want to say Dogecoin, but this was the thesis of crypto where these hyper micro transactions where every time you like a tweet, it should charge you a cent. Like why have we never been paying for these platforms? It's because they're selling our, our information in exchange for advertising. So would you rather pay, you know, $4 a month that you're just accruing based off your usage? Or would you rather have someone, you know, be able to target you with an advertisement? That's the user behavior today. But there is a world where we pay to use Instagram. Like we use Instagram enough that we should probably have to pay to use it. Well, it's, it's just, crazy too, because everyone's like, oh, you can't take something that's been free and then put it behind a paywall. But it's like these platforms, so at what point do you charge? Because exactly. no one's gonna pay for Twitter from day one because you don't know what it is. It's mm -hmm. similar to content creation. Like you can't start being a content creator tomorrow and then put your <laughs> shit behind a paywall. Right. No one knows who you are. You yeah, have right. to get awareness before you try to do anything with it. I, I, I think, yeah, like I said, I think it'll be fine. I think uh, I'm not worried about Twitter in the slightest. Who are your favorite creators, guys? That's a great question. I would say Pat McAfee is one of my favorite creators. He isn't the traditional creator, so people don't think of them. I think of everyone as a creator these days. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, one of my favorite creators, you know, bar none, he's an NFL player. No one would say he's a creator, but he is. Like mm. He creates content, and he's very conscious of his brand and everything that goes into it. But McAfee's just, he's on a rocket ship right now. He gets it. Uh, and he's attacking an industry that is ripe for change that just 
had never changed. And I think it's cool to watch. He just does so much. It's yeah. crazy. Like, and the way he's so good at repurposing, I'm just like, yeah. Oh, if you look at his Twitter is, account, oh, they're it, so good. It's amazing. But, but to your point, you know, he had the Monday Night Raw stuff. He has college game day and then his weekly show. And he'll do stuff on top of that. That's like what I like to see is you're not only doing one thing. It, keep, it brings in different audiences. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. What I about mean, you, Nick? Uh, you know I'm a huge Gary Vee guy. I don't know if you consider him a content creator or not, but for sure, um, yeah, dude. I, I I just like people that are able to put themselves out there in a way that's like very very relatable and transparent, and you know has kind of been through the ringer. Mm. So he's someone that like basically gives people permission to do things because you look up to him and you're like, this dude's like a real normal down to earth guy, but also has an insane amount of success. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to be this and that. It's okay to be here like and there. And I think Gary Vee kind of unlocks that. He did for me when I was much younger because when you're trying to find success, I feel like when you're younger, you're trying to figure out like what's right and what's wrong. Like, can I do this and still be successful? Right. Can I do this and still be successful? If you have someone who's already there and is like, I'm doing X, Y, and Z that you never thought you were really able to do to become successful, that's an unlock. That was an unlock for me. Um, I'm trying to think of other podcasts and stuff that I listen to. I don't really watch much YouTube videos, to be honest. Uh, like, the, I think the All In podcast is amazing. I think those dudes are so sharp, so well-rounded. You know, they've been through everything at this point. They could speak so like elegantly on any subject that comes across across their desk. Uh, I listen to a lot of, just a lot of other like business and marketing podcasts, but sorry, go ahead. Here. No, I was just gonna, I was just curious from your, both of your perspective, like what does success actually look like? We've talked about this before. Uh, originally it was about $333 a day <laughs> so that I could do a full time, right? Is that that $10,000 a month? Uh, it's about a hundred grand a year. Okay. You know, that, that was the math. That's no longer what the goal is because now we got to pay people and, you know, that only pays one or one and a half people's salaries these days. Uh, but that was it. So I think it's just what do you want to do? And my other favorite creators are like the Mr. Beast type who have taken audience and built business. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the next that's the next phase of this entire thing. And like that gets me excited because I've always been entrepreneurial and I kind of reverse engineer this, which is a Gary Vee famous thing to do. Uh, is to say, okay, if I want to build a company, what's the easiest way to do it? It's actually to have audience first. Mm -hmm. And he's got the biggest audience in the world officially, at least on YouTube. So he, he's a beast. Yeah, success for me, I think, uh, I would probably say being, like waking up every day and working towards something that fulfills you, you know? Mm. I don't know if, for me, actually, I found, a lot of people will say like being happy. And I feel like I used to say that when I was younger. But like, I enjoy being fulfilled more than I enjoy being happy. Maybe they're, maybe they're the same I thing. I think fulfillment probably makes you happy. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't though. I found myself being really fulfilled and still feeling very stressed and overwhelmed. But I'm like, I, maybe I'm just so used to it at this point <laughs> that I'm like, I'm, you know, that's what gets me going. But that, that is it for me. If, if internally, if we're working on, on a project that's like really intensive, but we know what we're trying to do and it might be miserable during it. But mm -hmm. those are like the things that I feel like I live for. When we're done, we're like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. It's like you build that kind of bond, you build that experience that in the moment might've been like crazy, but it's such a learning moment for you. And it's really fulfilling looking back being like, I feel like I kind of leveled up after this, you know, trip or this project we finished or this task that I just completed. So for me, being fulfilled on the daily is probably success. Yeah. Do you guys 
think about, uh, you know, uh, the social media to cigarettes comparison gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> like, oh, social media is just the modern day version of cigarettes. And then if, have you like, you guys have heard of that, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Can, that, you, can you explain that to me? Yeah, I don't so, know if I've heard this. For sure. So like people have this belief that the modern day version of cigarettes is social media is scrolling scrolling is the new cigarette addicting it's a bad for your health you're, you're not going to feel good about it afterwards but like in the moment you're happy mm. and you, th you think nothing's wrong and so i've seen that thrown around a lot and here i am creating content and enjoying it but i'm also feeding the algorithms which might go down in history as something that's not positive <laughs> and i'm trying to reconcile all this and i'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on um, the whole thing. To be honest, I don't really care about my contribution to the algorithm. Like, I don't think and be like, oh, I'm I'm in the matrix if I'm posting here. Yeah. It does, since we've gone into TikTok really heavily, I was never at a point where I'm like, oh, I'm so addicted to this thing. It's like bad for my health. Since we post on TikTok so often, and I now start to post on TikTok personally often, I find myself on the platform way too much. He, Jack's tweeting last night, TikTok is so it's, entertaining. It's the best. It's so entertaining. It's straight I feel up the like best. I don't know I, if I, I feel no problem or regret. With when it. I get off of it, I feel like shit. Oh no, I don't feel that way at all. Maybe I have like a little bit of self reasoning that's like I'm working because I my my algorithm is obviously tailored to me. So I'm not only seeing dance videos or thirst traps. Mm. Like those are on there. Don't get it twisted. But I've got like you know business stuff. I've got sports stuff. That it feels like I'm learning. It's just mm. a different. Honestly, if your feed, and I feel this way about Twitter a lot of the time too. If your feed and algorithm is done properly, I think it's just as valuable as reading a book. Mm. So that would be my take. I would agree with that. And my feed is pretty much like on my personal feed, I almost follow like content creators or people I come across on right. the For You page and I'm like, great content creator, inspiring, giving me tips on things. I love that. Like my, my feed is not like toxic whatsoever. Being on the platform though, we're over consuming. It's like, mm. how many things can you pay attention to at once that actually drive into your brain? After, I'm, if I'm on it for an hour and a half, I come away and I'm like, did I just take, yes, it was inspiring for an hour right, and a half, but did it, I take away anything actionable? Sure, from it? but if you read a book for an hour and a half, right? Let's say you go on TikTok for an hour and a half, how many valuable nuggets will you actually get from that hour and a half? One, I think a good right? book will give you like two, two or three really good actionable nuggets yes. throughout the entirety of it. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm saying that I'm going to be on TikTok for an hour and a half, and but it's I like feel like all, I got they three. They all feel so good in the moment. You're like, this is awesome. Next video, 20 seconds later, this is it. This is it. This is it. And I'm like, I can't, my brain can't handle 150 <laughs> Too much dopamine for yeah. you? Too much dopamine? I need it. The, but I guess that's the addiction. Yeah. The thing is, it's like a book has been thought through and edited. Yeah. Whereas a TikTok is literally just an idea or some like high energy but, thing. But I would, I would argue that the algorithm is the editor, mm. right? Because they have now curated the best ideas and that's the stuff that comes on your feed. Potentially. Imagine you're reading a 300 page book though and every single page was like some- Is a banger? Was craziness going on. <laughs> you would think that that would be a good- you you, know. Okay, but they're all on the same level. Every page is on the same level. You forget 85% of it, even though it's yeah. really high quality stuff. The good stuff sticks. I like videos, Maybe. so then I go back and, and reference them. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's an interesting... I hate TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's weird because... He hates fantasy sports. <laughs> I hate He's, He's not fulfilled. happy. He's not happy. <laughs> it's just fulfillment. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just interesting because I don't want to look back at history and be like, I was on the wrong side of it in a way because 
some part of me looks at cigarettes and I'm like, imagine if I was working in the tobacco industry, right. how would I feel? Yeah. Like I'd feel like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. I'm just, I'm just helping out. Doctors are saying this is good for you. Yeah. But no, there's, I mean, there's morals to this whole thing, right? Yeah. So we've seen creators promote crypto scams, right? Yeah. Uh, whether intentional or unintentional. I mean, think about Tom Brady. He technically was the representative for the biggest crypto scam in history. You know, how does he feel morally about that, the money? That's probably his legacy, right? Right, that's his <laughs> legacy. deleting tweets, too. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, he deleted, okay. Deleting so tweets that he promoted. We FTX. work in sports. Sports betting is a very real category that people will lose money on. Yeah. So where is the, more? obviously there's like, um, there's stuff we have to disclose, but then outside of that, like how much content, if, if a company's paying me to drive traffic to their website, how much content am I focus on that versus betting education and making sure people don't lose their asses and that type of stuff. So we deal with this stuff all the time. Um, it's a good point because in today's world, like social media, things that were not necessarily like cancelable 15 years ago become cancelable. The way I look at it is like the reason I don't care about adding to the matrix, adding to the algorithm is because the stuff that we put out now is well-intentioned. Right. And in 15 years, if I were to get canceled for something that, that we're doing on this podcast right now, I wouldn't regret it. I'd be like, I was, I went into that well-intentioned. This was the conversation, the thoughts that I had in my mind at the time. I wouldn't apologize for anything for it. So it's like, I don't feel bad about doing what we are now. It's tough to chase a world that moves on its own. And then you have to play by the rules of that, even though you're no longer playing the game anymore. You mm. played it 15 years ago and yeah, they're like telling you what the rules are now. were an in thing, yeah. you know? So if you were marketing them and you were like, oh, everyone smokes, like, Think if in 20 years when people realize that alcohol should probably be banned, right? right? Like, like realistically, it should be. It's awful for your health. It messes with your brain, you know, long-term liver damage. But right now, it's very socially acceptable. Right now, we out here. <laughs> right now, like, I'm getting a drink after this. Yeah. It's Friday happy hour. We're hitting the grizzly pair. Let's but, go. like, that's the idea that I think Nick's trying to state is well-intentioned at the moment. It's what's acceptable. And there's people who will be forward-thinking and be like, you know what? I, I was never getting into crypto because it never felt right. And mm. that's acceptable too. If you've done your research and you're well-intentioned, I don't have a problem with it. What about creators getting canceled? Have you guys dealt with any cancellations yourself personally or seen anybody close to you get canceled? Have you been canceled? Uh, I would say the... The Bash, the BDG3 project that came out. Yeah, okay. That's that was, probably the most... That's uh, the closest thing that's happened to us for sure. Okay. Um, so this summer we launched our first NFT project as a company, uh, called the BG three. And basically we put together this fantasy football league. That was, uh, the goal when we set out was to have 1200 people in a league together. Mm -hmm. So you'd split it up into a hundred leagues of 12 people and we're all competing for the entirety of the season. So we announced it. We worked on this promo video for like a month to whip it out there. It came out awesome. Like better than I could have imagined it. it. We put it out. It got really, really positive reviews and everything. We put the whitelist out. Uh, the whitelist was capped to 1200. Obviously, we got 2,000, 2,500 people in like 24 hours from this wow. thing. And I was like, oh shit, like we did it. You know, this is, this is awesome because we worked really hard to get it. And um, I went on a live stream later that night to just explain any like comments that people had or any questions that they had about it. And one dude came in there and kept kind of like prying me about it. He was in the NFT world, but he was in the fantasy space as well. And he kept asking questions about like the rake. So basically, in the fantasy world, right, like DraftKings or FanDuel drops a project. They or it drops a um, contest, a contest yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They're taking a percentage of all the people's money that gets put into the project. So for us, we had um, 
a list of prizes that people were going to win throughout. This was going to be a three-year project. And we had the amount of money or ETH that they had to pay in order to get an NFT. And it was a really large amount at the time in terms of what we were taking as revenue. The rake was. The rake was yes. high. Yeah. It was higher than any contest at like DraftKings or FanDuel. DraftKings, FanDuel, 9%. You were at 35%. It was even higher if, than that. It was probably like 60 or 70. If but. you didn't know what the reasoning, not even reasoning, how the funds were being used. Right. And we put out what the prizes were going to be. The problem was no our- No one reads that. Our, <laughs> our, well, this guy did, and yeah. which is fine because we weren't trying to like manipulate people. That was what the prizes were going to be at the time. The problem was no one in our audience is NFT or crypto. These are like YouTube people watching fantasy football videos. Mm -hmm. None of them know anything about crypto or NFTs. So our thing is like, we're guaranteeing $100,000 worth of prizes upfront, even if this thing sells out in a 25% capacity. Right. So this dude came into the live stream, started asking questions. I got heated at one point, started freaking out on him. <laughs> and uh, and then he wrote up this big article or whatever that kind of went, it went like viral on fantasy football Twitter. Yeah. He was saying the rake was too high. He was saying all this kind of shit. I'm trying to tell him like, or I'm just trying saying it, you know, out there in the, in the sphere. It's like, this is what happens. People are, we, we sold out the whitelist because people want to be associated with our brand. Like they're buying a product based on the brand. Mm -hmm. You're basically saying this is an unfair project because the rake is higher than DraftKings or FanDuel. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you're basically walking into an Apple store and yelling at customers because Dell has a laptop available with the same specs. Exactly. But they want Apple fucking yeah. products. And I don't mean to like compare ourselves to Apple, but no, but when it you build was a coming brand. from a guy in the fantasy industry who plays fantasy maybe to, for profit, right? To win. This was an engagement of his community. Another comparison would be like Gucci, right? Like you buy the brand, and that's what he wanted to engage his yeah, community. Yeah, this for. project but, was created for our fans, not for the fans. You fantasy weren't going to be canceled for that. The project was the project like to hit a, hit like a a halt there because yes. what happened was because none of our audience was NFT related. We spent a lot of time educating them about it, how to actually mint, go through the process. If we had, you know. 0.5% of our audience interested in the project. What this article now does is be like, yo, even if I fuck with Nick, even if I really like the brand, I'm just going to stay away from the NFT crypto stuff and yeah. I'm just going to not be a part of it. And that was already people on the on the fence about it. So what happened was we had to um, cut it down from 1200 to 600, which we did end up selling out. And it's we're still in the middle of the project right mm -hmm. now. It's still going through and working and whatever. And Jack's in it and a, a lot of other uh, friends of mine are in it. But where it started compared to what happened once this dude put out the article wasn't canceled wasn't cancelable but dude if you yeah. go back to that original tweet the article he dropped mm -hmm. if you look at the responses if you look at the quote tweets you no, would think yeah. i killed some people's mothers <laughs> it was insane and i bookmarked every one of them yeah. in five years i'm coming back for sure <laughs> i'm well, dead dead ass serious on that well, this is the, no, funny, yeah, this is the funny thing about what happens online is you kind of get this warped perception that everybody's watching it right and Everybody, a lot of eyes are on it, but I had no idea that right. that happened. Yeah. And a lot of other people who know you yes. probably didn't know that that happened yeah. either. So it's interesting. It is tough to get canceled if you're, no offense, not yeah. the biggest thing 100%. in the world. 100%. The and, other, the other problem it, was this, sorry to cut you off, but he, he had like someone in the fantasy gaming space come out and was like, this project is illegal. And I'm just like, what do you mean? It's fucking, it, it probably was illegal. To be completely honest <laughs> we went I was going to say, by the way, him like deep diving, he did all the diligence for you. He actually may have saved your ass. Right. Oh, we knew that internally. Yeah, yeah. We were like, sure. We went into it with the energy of like, we're still a smaller brand. Like we're just going to make it as fun as we possibly could right. as if a group of our friends were participating in it realized real quickly when it's a scale of 10,000 people it's, yeah, you know, you more problems that. come out onto yeah it. I was what I was gonna say is the president in 2020 uh or prior to that if he couldn't get canceled to the fullest like <laughs> I think we're good but I actually was thinking about it the other day how many pieces of content I put out how often I'm on camera how often like this stuff happens yeah 
that I, you know, I don't, I haven't done anything in my opinion to be canceled, but like, that's almost impressive. I think a little bit goes to show like, as long as you aren't an asshole and doing shady shit and, you know, doing that, like you probably won't get canceled. Yeah. So, but yeah, so no, we haven't been canceled. Um, You know, people get upset about stuff all the time. And like the biggest thing right now for me would be, you know, I put out my underdog picks. That's our biggest partner. And when they're losing, people assume that I'm doing it on purpose, that I'm making a VIG, you know, off of these things. And so I explained to them, you know, Snap is a nice platform because it's all one-to-one. So these viral, like his stuff went down on Twitter. So that's how it feels like it spreads bigger, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's how it gets in that echo chamber and it snowballs and stuff. So I explained to them and I would say, I take the time out of the thousand people, 998 of them are like, all right, that makes sense. Two of them, you know, their mind was made up to begin with. And you got to deal with that. But I do. A, that's my biggest problem is I, I do want everyone to like me. Mm-hmm. And when you're in this space, you just can't do that. What's it like as the audience size grows? Like, what would you both put your audience sizes at and how it has changed your mind? Uh, we're near hundred K on YouTube and we're 600 on TikTok. Those are definitely our biggest platforms. 600,000 people on TikTok and a hundred thousand on YouTube. And you've kind of built, it's, it's a massive platform at that point. And it's not all on you. So it's kind of different than some of the lifestyle creators mm-hmm. that I've worked yeah. with, but like, how does that impact your mind? Um, honestly not, it doesn't impact it much because I feel like I've always kind of operated and created out of a place of just things that I want to do, you know, mm-hmm. things that I enjoy. And I don't, I don't go out, look for audience fit. I just make what I want. And then the audience fits if they like what I made. So that's always the way I've looked at things. And you might know the number of people that are going to listen to your podcast or watch your YouTube videos. You don't sit down on this couch and be like, oh, fuck, there's going to be 700,000 people that like <laughs> watch what I'm doing. You just kind of, you know, it's, it's what's natural to you. It's what you're passionate about. So it's easy to come off that way. So as the audience size grows, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit more conscious of things that are on the edgier side, mm. just in case. But for the most part, I feel like I've um, created from a place of in, internal validation rather than external validation. So it hasn't changed much for me. But you also said that you sometimes create the stuff that you think the audience will want. So inherently that is external validation. A lot of that is from a business standpoint where I'm like, I know these pieces of content are what will keep, you know, the chains moving inside of our business. So I have to do certain things that will be popular amongst the audience, but will also act as uh, a sales funnel for us to sell our products and things like that. So it's not necessarily like I'm doing a piece of content. I, I don't think I'd ever do a piece of content that I didn't enjoy. That was just straight up, just like, man, I hate this, but you guys love it. It's more like there's got to be an end to a <laughs> yeah, means there yeah. for me. Makes yeah. sense. What about you, Jack? I would say a couple of things. We started on Snapchat, so our audience is a little younger than the traditional audience. So being conscious of like how many kids we're actually impacting. Mm. As we've grown larger, it's actually the miniature moments that those are like fame, zero interest. Like mm. The only interest, I guess, so not zero, one percent interest, is because I think fame and notoriety means bigger audience, which means better business opportunity. Mm. But it's these like kids coming up to me and being like, "You've inspired me. You've changed my life." Blows my mind. Uh, sometimes I feel bad for the kid that they take after me, but that that might just be the imposter syndrome. But that's really like the the wider reach you have, the more lives you can change. Like. 
you know, Gary Vee probably changed both our lives, not entirely, but to a degree, and just being able to impact people a little bit, that's kind of become a new type of fulfillment for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. When you guys sit back and end your careers, and however long that might be, it's weird to think about like creators like think of themselves as I could go do this forever. But yeah. like, wh when you end your <laughs> career, like how do you want to be remembered as a creator? Legacy. Let's see. What's your mm. legacy? That's a great question. Um, I would like to, man, I, I don't think I've ever thought about ending my career. That's the thing. Like, I don't think I ever sit back and you're like, ah, I'm going to, I think I'll be creating content until the day I die. Mm -hmm. Like realistically, unless I'm like really fucking tired and exhausted. <laughs> you know, something Too like much that. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes start falling out or some shit. Um, legacy, man. I would, I would really like to be one of the more and or most impactful creators to come out of the city. I would like, I don't know how I'm going to get there eventually, but along the road, I feel like I want to change a lot of, I think a lot of the stuff I do now, we might've talked about this on the last podcast, but a lot of stuff I do now is me talking to my younger self, mm -hmm. you know? And I would like to be able to leave a legacy being like, I helped a lot of younger kids get through what they were going through at the time, helped give them someone to relate to, helped give them someone to, um, to give them permission mm -hmm. to go after like this, what Gary Vee or whoever it is that was inspiring me when I was younger. Like, I'd like to be that person for them because I know what it was like back in the day to not have someone that I really like looked up to that told me being vulnerable was actually cool, was not cowardice, like something like that. That's a legacy I'd like to live. It's not numbers, it's not money, it's not anything like that. I'd, I'd like to be like truly impactful to the younger generation. He's always been the long-term thinker. <laughs> I, I'm long-term in, in term, I'm long-term in terms of like investing. Like I take a long-term thesis. Work ethic, like I know it will pay off over time, but like the future is snapback. Like I don't even have six months planned out. <laughs> like I have three months, we get to Super Bowl and then figure it out from there. So legacy is tough. It's really a tough thing. Uh, like knowing that I lived a life that made me happy or fulfilled, <laughs> I get happiness from fulfillment, uh, will probably be mostly that. And then family, friends, like that stuff has always been ingrained to make. I come from a family business. So work and, and family has always been tied together. That, that'll be. And then if I'm lucky enough to even be in the position, like I said, $333 a day was the goal. Now, I pay four people's salaries, right? And so I'm supplying their life as well as mine. That is a step that I couldn't have imagined taking just a year ago. What could I imagine taking in a year? Like now talking about impacting lives, changing lives, like that would be amazing. Uh, it's something to look up to, but I'm just like happy to be here, honestly. You didn't think you were going to do that when you were younger though? I always knew I had it. Um, What's it? And hmm. I, You know, when you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Like dead ass, yeah. that was going to be my answer. It's like, you know if you have it or not. Yeah. Um, you, you know. Now there's different scales of it. Uh, there's different levels of it. Some people's hits don't pay off. But yeah, I think I just always knew it when I... Um, See, he's way more petty than me. When I got rejected from Michigan, I was like, that's going to be a mistake. And like, 
down the line, I'll think back and like be like, I can't believe they didn't let me in. I don't give a damn. Texas was the best thing ever. You're moving to Austin, right? Hold up. Why am I more petty? Because of what I said before? Yeah, you said you're, you, you bookmarked the quote to me. Well, that was different. That, that was like a really impactful thing to what we were doing at the time. Well, being denied from college, whatever. Yeah, that's the, the that's high some school, real petty shit, though. The high school I went to, I just find it ironic I wasn't in the entrepreneur class. Like, I got denied, right? Mm. That's, you know, that's... Chip on the, your shoulder? Yeah, but... I don't have the chip on my shoulder because I'm not trying. I am competitive. At, I was so competitive growing up and I was a baby about it, a crybaby. You know, I would throw fits. And I probably five years ago would have thought this isn't a good relationship because we're competing and I need to beat him. We both can win easily, right. like easily. And I think the biggest myth in the world is, you know, I'm a sports fan. Super teams are looked down upon. Uh, KD goes to Steph Curry's team. He's looked at as a beta, as whatever, you know, all these different terms, a snake, all these things <laughs> in business. The best businesses are just super teams mm. on steroids. Mm. And like, it's not encouraged to team up, collaborate, but all the YouTubers do it. All the TikTokers did it. All the Viners did it. That's why we're doing it. That's why we come here for collaboration. You're also able to like level up, like just sitting down and learning from yeah. each other is like really, really like you get inspired by people that are inspired too. Yeah. You know, that's a, like we met at a random fucking house down in Chelsea that one time yeah. and I saw you and I knew you from maybe Twitter, or YouTube, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, Danny, like I, I knew what world you were in or what world yeah. you wanted to be in eventually. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a dude I want to link. I want to link with. That's a dude I want to be friends with because if we want to spend time together and do this, we have the capability to do it. You know, we can go get drunk afterwards, but like right now I appreciate moments like this a lot. Well, I want to know yours. I mean, to your point, like this is for me just as enjoyable and to learn. So what, like, how do you think about legacy? I want to, I've always been fascinated by communication. How do I take the things in my head and bring them to the world, whether mm -hmm. that's through written form, whether that's through audio video. And so how can I be the best communicator as I possibly can be? And I'm doing that for me. Like, it's fun for me to yeah. realize that I can say things better today than I did a year ago. Yeah. And when I interviewed you both or two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so to improve as a communicator really is my goal and the heart of what I'm trying to do. So you're very good at it. Like in person, <laughs> there's not like a, a blip. There's not like you got questions ready and they're natural and they're like yeah. based on the conversation. So we're, I mean, I, we're big fans. I, We've said that. I got to have you guys here for every podcast. Maybe you guys can do the intro. <laughs> yeah, for we this can be hype yeah. man. So we can be hype <laughs> man. Just put us there instead of the plants. <laughs> well, go. I'm so grateful for you guys to come here and, uh, I like to close these off with challenges for people because you do the podcast, you listen to it, consume it. Now, what are you going to do from it yeah. for the person listening? What's the action you're going to take? Mm. So for both of you guys, what's a challenge you can leave the audience with? If you're listening to this podcast, I would bet that you're intrigued by some form of creator, business, marketing, anything in the business world, right? Um, I would say go start creating content in the form that fits you best. Our advice would be TikTok and YouTube shorts. But if you are a journalist or you are trying to write books, go and do it. I, I think Nike nailed it, but just do it. That is that's so that's good. my best piece it's timeless, of advice. Yeah. It, it really is like everyone always asks, what should I do? How should I get started? Go start a podcast. You will learn how to podcast, how to invite guests on, how to do like sell brands eventually. You learn a million traits just by doing it. And so if you're trying to do anything in life, like just go get started. Yeah, building on that, and this is something we've talked about on the podcast. I think for people that are trying to get started, a lot of people will be like, you know, start creating overwhelming for sure if, yeah. you're, if you're beginning. I think what you want to do is uh, find the subject that you are 
really into or that you'd like to see yourself create around and then go i'm really passionate about starting your creator journey as a teacher think of mm -hmm. yourself as a teacher because whatever you're passionate about you probably know more than the average person so go get a notepad and write down 10 to 15 topics about that particular subject that you know about that you think you'd feel comfortable teaching and then mm -hmm. make content based on that and doesn't necessarily i would say start all 15 of them with how to how to do this mm -hmm. how to if you're into cars how to change a tire how to put oil in your car mm -hmm. how to do all that kind of stuff that automatically gets you into like giving value mode, being like teaching mode or whatever. And that's why people subscribe to content for the most part. You're giving value in some way. Education. No, every part. Every is single value. part. Yeah. Even if it's humor, it it's the value is entertainment. Right. Like, and most people are not part. as funny as they think they are. Most people are not as good. Like straight up, like and myself included, not as good looking as they think they are. But yeah. anyone could teach. Anyone yeah. can teach if you're willing to be passionate about, you know, the subject. If you're willing to learn more about it, you could teach someone about it. So it's like if you write down those 15 how-tos, Boom, you just have 15 pieces of content right there that you know are valuable. You might get on the mic and try to be funny and not be funny, but you teach someone something, you nailed it. Yeah. Outside of Nike's main slogan, because he gave physical pieces of advice or actionable uh, items, I would say, I would challenge you to, to post it on social media. Mm. That is the most underutilized, that social pressure of, I did it during COVID. I was like, I want to put on 10 pounds. So I would just post every time I went to the gym and every time I stepped on the scale and I'm a content creator, so it was fine. It's not what you would traditionally do, but for anything in life, that tool works a lot. If you say, I'm going to do this, and then you'll actually by accident start creating content around it by mm -hmm. tracking your journey. So it's kind of a, a double cheat. Yeah, it's using the audience as accountability. Yeah. And it's also, what I, I like the perspective of being a, a teacher, but I also like the perspective of being a learner mm -hmm. and documenting you learning something new because anyone, people might feel as if they don't have anything to teach, mm. but if you're learning, you can, yeah. you always have things to learn. Yeah. So. Like I've thought about like picking up coding. Like mm. I think that's the future of this world is the people who can code. I couldn't deliver any value, but I could document my journey, which would show people where to start, what the next step is. Right. Like to, to your point. Yeah, absolutely. So big content, check these boys out, listen to them, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen. Um, any place else you'd like to plug your socials or anything like that uh, big big content for life <laughs> you, can, you can find at nick urcolano on uh twitter for nice. the next week uh after that he's gone canceled uh, yeah he's canceled, he's canceled or <laughs> twitter's done yeah either one <laughs> at jack settlement as well yeah thanks for having us Danny. thank you for doing this i really appreciate the kind words and you taking the time